Welcome to the podcast series, Volunteering Champs of Broome. We're taking some time to sit down for a chat with some of our champion volunteers. We'll hear how volunteering has impacted on their lives and learn just how much they contribute to keeping our community happy. Our unsung heroes have plenty of knowledge to share, so sit down, tune in, and be inspired by our volunteering champs. I'm sitting here with Lucy Falcocchio. Lucy, how are you going? I'm really well. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm great, thanks. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I've heard a lot about you from people around town, from all different walks of life and fields and work and all sorts. So I'm, I'm really happy to be here. I was wondering if uh, we could start with a bit of your history in Broome um, and sort of what you do in the work and volunteering context. I came here as a state manager of iTech Employment back in 2009 and uh, after about two years working in that, um, kind of developed a little bit of a social conscience because they're a for-profit company mm. and it sort of didn't go with what I wanted to do. In 2011, I had this epiphany, I wanted to go back and um, in time where I used to get up for work and enjoy what I did and mm. that was back when I was working in corrections doing health promotions. Applied for a job with Kimberley Aboriginal Medical Service as a health promotions officer. I've spent the last 12 years as their health systems development manager. So I've been fortunate enough to work on board uh, developing with CAMS the um, first of its kind in Australia, um, a shared electronic health record, which is utilised throughout all the Aboriginal community controlled health services here. Um, and from there, um, I've just started, literally this week, uh, in my second phase with CAMS, and I've just transferred across to Kimberley Renal Services, so to um, be their projects manager, and I'll be managing many projects across the region for them there. Uh, how did I start in volunteering? Um, I came here and I thought, oh, I've got a little bit of time up my sleeve. I wonder what I can do. And I saw this, this little tiny ad in the paper and they were looking for committee people for back then. It was um, uh, Burdekin Youth in Action, uh, which is now Broome Youth and Families Hub. Anyway, I um, applied to get on the committee and, um, you know, the magic committee wand happened and before you... <laughs> You know it, I uh, became the chairperson that year <laughs> and uh, remained the chairperson for quite a few years. Spent nine years with Burdekin. Um, yeah, and there started that life. Somewhere between 2009 and 2011, uh, I was feeling a little bit like, hey, this is great out here and there's a little bit more that I can do. And um, yeah, and it's really weird. It's um, probably the first time in many years that I've walked back, in, back into Broom Circle House, <laughs> but uh, here I am where volunteering started for me because I, I came here um, as a volunteer, became the chairperson of back then. It was um, Burdekin uh, Youth and um, stayed there as the chairperson and as a volunteer and nearly 10 years. Uh, watched um, and assisted in the transition to Broome Youth and Families Hub, mm. but something happened at around oh, 2019, 18, 19, because back in 2014, um, when I came here, I thought I'm the only gay in the village. <laughs> There's got to be others out there, and yeah. um, you know. And then uh, Broome Pride was born, kind of juggled that and. Um, Broom Youth and Families Hub, but it just all became too much, and mm. here we are today. Where do we start? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, was 
um, the transition into Broom Pride and that was purely done just as a voluntary exercise. There was no sort of payment behind that or anything no. at the beginning. Even at the end. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. that, 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 that was born. The, the beginning of that started, I received a phone call from a group of guys that were having cocktails at the Conti back in the day and they said, oh, do you want to come to a meeting with us? And I'm like, yeah, and I uh, went to this meeting and they were talking about um, wouldn't it be good if we could have like Pride organisation, somewhere where we could watch Mardi Gras and... Um, so I said, yeah, we could do this and um, yeah, so I went to the meeting and before I knew it, it was like, well, you can be the chairperson. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> um, and yeah, we became an incorporated association back in September 2014. And from there, we thought, well, let's see if we can secure somewhere where we can all get together and watch Mardi Gras. Mm. Um, and we met back then, uh, the lady that was managing um, it wasn't Skylar back then. We used to call it the bunghole, but it was called the bungalow. <laughs> Sorry, everyone, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, um, yeah, she said, yeah, sure, we can do that. So the first year when we did it, we thought, well, we just want somewhere where we can get together, watch the parade, um, you know, maybe have a drag show. Mm -hmm. Where do we find drags? Um, we found the wonderful Carlos Weiner, who I'd met um, in my travels at Columbaroo and he came and he was great. Mm. <laughs> he was great and he's gone on to, you know, uh, do drag in, you know, places like Brisbane, Darwin and whatnot. Mm. And, you know, he works back locally and is back on community now. But, uh, yeah, and we had our first sort of Mardi Gras. There was over 300 people that turned up from everywhere. Wow. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and uh, that year we did it for absolutely nothing. The door takings went back to the bungalow and mm. it was just somewhere where we could all come together then the next year we did the approach and said hey okay if we run this we'll put on shows and that but we'll take the door because we needed to start building mm. um you know some sort of financial backing so we could keep doing this yeah sure not a problem so the next year we did it and um the place was lined up around the block mm. uh by 2017 we did our first kimberly queen uh, and that was in the, what's now Perlers. Mm -hmm. uh, we did that there and it just became this, I don't know, it became this massive thing and it was and it was a whole of community thing. It wasn't about being gay, straight, bi, mm. transgender. It was just this opportunity where finally, and it's what we wanted to achieve, we could all just come together as one community. Um, so the event grew so much that we'd already reached capacities by mm. 2017 it was just there was nowhere big enough to hold this dance party and, and yep. whatnot so 2018 what were we going to do <laughs> uh so back then um one of our committee members um sandra worked at the mangrove hotel and she said what about the mangrove hotel and i'm like really we could <laughs> do a dance party at the mangrove perhaps she goes, yeah, let me put it to management. And uh, the Mangrove Hotel was supportive of it. Let's face it, it was, um, you know, cyclone season. There's mm. nothing happening anywhere. And at the same time, um, Sos Johnson was the um, was the shy president and he was really supportive. And I, you know, thank him because it was he that approached us and said, you know, you've got a really good concept. 
why don't you try applying for this funding? And it's been the only funding that we ever received up until mm. this year. And it was $3,800. And it allowed us to hire the, the Civic Centre to put on our first cabaret. Yeah. And uh, that was 2018. Cabaret was an absolute sellout to the point that you could have ran it for a few nights and still had more there. Uh, the dance party um, happened at the Mangrove and the first year there were like 1,500 people. That was massive and people, uh, the marketing was compared to what it is now, was pretty basic, but people were coming in from community, coming in from Kananara, a few people flew up from Perth and I think what was the clincher for us is someone was sitting in Perth airport coming up here to do, I think back then it was the 75th anniversary of when the Catalinas uh, mm. had um, had uh, crashed or, or, you know, off Roebuck Bay there mm. and um, he was coming up here to do a, a piece on that. He was a journalist from SBS and sitting in the airport with him were two gay guys that had heard about it mm. from Perth going, but the Mardi Gras on in Broome and they're like, oh, come on, we'll take you. And before we knew it, we had this journalist from um, SBS and yeah. we're on the SBS News with Li Ling Chin. Uh -huh. and legend. <laughs> Absolute legend. legend. <laughs> Especially in our community, yeah. And yeah. then all of a sudden we had this national presence um, and now we've, oh my goodness, we have chartered flights that roll in for mm. it. Um, it's become, we call it the season, the new season of um, a broom, Mardi Gras season, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, hotels are certainly booked out well in advance. The um, ticket sales now we've had to put it out to the, um, the turf club because at least there we can fit 4,000 people. Wow. Yeah. This year we had it all set to roll in six days before the dreaded sea bomb oh, dropped God. upon us, but that was okay. Yeah. You know, we got to um, do one of the bingos. We got to do a lot of the kids' events. Um, where do you start? Like, yeah. I still have memories of the first um, the first um, drag queen story time, and now we do kids' makeup workshops, under-18s events. Mm. Um, uh, and next year we've got a boat cruise <laughs> yeah so how many people were on that initial committee when the you first started yeah um i remember i actually looked at a photo of that when we first started on the initial committee i think there were around seven or eight people on that committee wow yeah and then you know you're talking about an event with three thousand people not that long and then some later yeah, yeah. And that's such a testament to a small group of people yeah. who really just wanted to do something. Yeah. And the response from the community was overwhelming. You know, that's a powerful yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. symbol of what can happen when people want to share what they're excited about. Well, the whole aim of it, it's about creating social change. And in order to create that social change, it's like, well, how do you do this? Yeah, look, I came here as... Uh, I remember in 2009, I'd never been to WA, let alone Broome, mm. and I thought, oh, I'm going to be tarred and feathered by midnight. But to come to a place that shatters what the social norms are in, rela in relation to regional remote areas, this place is unique. Mm. You're safer here than you would be in Sydney. Mm. It is such a sense of community. But to be able to achieve what we set out to achieve, and that is that that social change mm. um, you know where else can you go and be you and mm. it's okay 
and you're amongst the majority of people who accept mm. um, everyone for their differences, mm. for their diversity. Mm. Um, never did I think when I first came to this town, never did I think that I would be able to walk into the Roebuck Bay Hotel on a Wednesday night and have drag bingo. Because mm. when I first walked into this town, going to the Roebuck Bay Hotel, um, as myself was probably a little bit daunting mm. um, and it's actually it's okay to be gay mm. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just okay to be you whether that be gay whether that be anything mm. um, it's relatively safe space what um, is it about Broome do you think that makes that possible the people mm. the people here and that um, is that social change uh, and it's about I think what we've created here, many people will start out on what they want to do, whether that's a pride organisation or whatnot. And people talk about inclusivity, but that also has to start at the core of your organisations because in order to be able to achieve true equality, um, our philosophy is you have to be one community. Mm. And that community can't be broken down into gay, straight, mm. bi, trans. We are just all one people, mm. you know. And I think that that's what is so unique in Broome and that is what's so unique in regards to what's been created with Broome Pride. Mm. It is all about that whole of community inclusivity. Mm. Um, our committee is made up of not just, you know, um, LGBTQIA plus people. We have straight members of the community. We have people from different cultural backgrounds. We are a small community um, in regards to what we, uh, for instance, our cabaret. Um, it's not just about putting drag queens on stage. Um, everything from our, you know, our, our kids' dance troops. Um, I think it's probably the first time it's ever been done, but the first cabaret that we had, our opening act now, and still is from day dot, is it started with Sun Studios and the kids there mm. and with one of our drag queens and mm. they do the opening number. Mm. And after that first year and everyone was just wow mm. um, because, you know, the calibre of talent in this town is phenomenal. But mm. to see, you know, kids from the age of five all the way up to 16 and then dancing mm. in a drag act mm. um, and then to see the rest of community watching that going, wow, mm. and then... As soon as you know the opening acts over, out with the kids and on with the 18 plus show, mm. um, which is Mardi Gras. But you know, the year after that, we were having parents. Can our kids be in it next year? Mm. And now we have, yeah, we have. It's always the opening that we have, you know, youth of our town with our drag queens, and mm. then it goes on. But we also have our local dance schools who contribute to, to our performances. Um, you know. Brim Performing Arts Co-op, but that's also with the philosophy of what we do. Mm. It's a non-for-profit, so um, any money that we make, we think, okay, who are we donating to? But the one, the, the one thing that, when it comes to our donations, it's about local community organisations. Mm. So you know, the likes of you know, Safe, the likes of Broom Performing Arts Co-op, Sun Studios, Broom. Oh, where do you start? Mm. Um, local community organisations and mm. to date we've donated back to local community um, nearly $80,000 wow. um, 
but that's about us being part of our community also mm. because our community also has embraced us so we should be embracing our own community um so yeah it's it's that that that's what i call inclusivity yeah and it comes from both sides absolutely and yeah. it's interesting to think about how difficult some of those stereotypes are to break down but then also the ease with which having kids being presented alongside people in drag and you know sometimes when you're on the internet and you read things and the comments can be pretty (laughs) pretty tough um and it's the tough side of volunteering because you're the one on the other side Mm. there's still a human being on the other side Mm. Um, and there's just, mm. yeah, there's the good side and the not so good yeah. in volunteering. That can sometimes be the not so fantastic side yeah. of volunteering. Um, but the difference is yeah. when people see things in person yeah. and it's happening in front of your face yeah. and you can see how much of a positive impact this is making for so yeah. many people from different backgrounds, different ages, yeah. whatever that may be. It's such a positive thing and it, it reinforces why this stuff is so important. Yeah. Oh, you know, the best part of that positive, the stuff on the internet, you know, once upon a time um, and not so long ago, that was the majority. I love yeah. it. I, 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 now, where it used to, I, I remember standing in my own lounge room and in tears, you know, <gasps> Behind this head, it's a really good head for radio. (laughs) Behind this head, uh, you know, there's a sensitive person that, you know, when you read that, it's hard to read. Um, And you feel like you're alone. You know, I predominantly do all of the social media and the answering because you're not answering from yourself. You're answering on perspective of Mm. broom pride or a community. Yeah. What's beautiful now, and I love it, is 99% of our local community here, they're all over it before I am. Mm that social change, Mm. that is what's beautiful. Mm. Um, Yeah, so that's the positive side, you know, where sometimes it starts a little dark. And there are only those minor negative things, you know. Yeah. Um, But in the beginning they're difficult. But as time goes on, when you see the momentum of the positivity that that spreads within a community and then you see the community stand beside you, walk beside you, and then they start leading with you, Mm. that's the best side of it. That's the biggest buzz that you get. I think the biggest buzz that I get from my my volunteering with, with Broom Pride. And as much as, you know, one day you want to hand that 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 baton over and go, can somebody else take the reins? <laughs> and if anyone's listening out there, I have the baton. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's ready to go. <laughs> and it's ready to go. I can do the best exchange, baton exchange at the next run. Not a problem. But, um, you know, I, I think what's... What's um, the best part of all of that is that momentum that you see at the end of it. Mm. Uh, When I'm standing there at a dance party and I I still remember, like, there's so many things that I could go, oh, there was this, there was that, Mm. and you can imagine. But you're standing (laughs) there and it's literally a sea of people that come out for this one night and we are talking from every walk of life across WA and other states now. We've got from truck drivers to cow cockies to drag queens to nurses, doctors, Mm. 
they are all there. I don't know anyone that comes to Mardi Gras that isn't dressed. Yeah. <laughs> and not one bit of anti-social behaviour. Mm. It is the one place that people come because they feel safe. Mm. And when you sit back and you see that and all you see is a sea of big happy smiles and dancing and you just go, yay. And I think the last Mardi Gras we have had, the one thing that sticks in my mind was, and it was an older couple, there's no age barrier there either, mm. but this couple would have been in their 70s and it's, it was at the mangrove, it was around 1.30 in the morning, God love, and um, the lady, had, there was no chairs left, mm. no bar stools to sit on, she was on the grass and I was standing behind and her, her hubby had put a, his arm around her and he goes, are you alright? She goes, oh. He goes, I can take you home for it. She goes, no, I don't want to go home. She goes, can we just sit on the grass? I want to watch it all happening from here. And they just sat on the grass where they mm. were with their drinks in hand and they could, like, this is 1.30 in the morning, 70-year-old people. And it's like, yeah, my job's done. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what amazing. it's about. Yeah, yeah. And they're those moments that, mm. that uh, yeah, they keep you smiling on the inside, the plus side of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. Um, so I think an interesting thing in your case as well is that your work life is pretty full on and really busy and yeah. then you've got something on the side that's sort of done purely out of a passion project side of things. How do you manage that sort of, yeah, that time differential? Ah, oh, how do you manage that? You know, women manage having babies, right? Okay. <laughs> and... I call this my baby mm. and it's very similar. I can only, no, I'm thinking childbirth would be harder, but this is how <laughs> do you manage that? Okay, so it's like this. Women go to work when they're pregnant. So what happens is at about um, March, April every year, Lucy falls pregnant, okay, and she gets this seed back inside her and all of a sudden she's, you know, juggling work and pregnancy pregnancy being organizing Mardi Gras and mm. that's like eight to nine months of your life pretty much full on so I'm running to work I'm doing my work and then I come home from work and I'm you know looking after myself feeding the baby inside me that continually grows mm. and about or oh, the last eight weeks of the pregnancy eight to nine weeks of the pregnancy is when the belly really starts hurting right the hormones are everywhere <laughs> and I'm going ballistic pretty much like you know the last trimester of I could imagine a, a woman's pregnancy you know the hormones are everywhere and, and it's difficult you know you've got to get to work you've got to do this you've mm. got to do that so um, then what I do is I utilize about three to four weeks of my my leave um, and I have a wonderful CEO who allows me to take my annual leave at that time and very supportive of what Brim Pride does here and then what happens is I work this full-time job um, full-on where I don't have my other full-time job that I have to do and then it comes to that week of Mardi Gras and it's like having a, a full week um, in contractions in a birthing suite and then finally okay 
the dance party happens, boof. It's like mm. giving birth and your body is overcome with that elation I was talking mm. to you about. You're going, oh, wow, look, oh, wow, look at that. Because the lead up to that, right up until you in that birthing suite and yeah i'm never doing this again mm -hmm. i'm never doing this again and all of my friends will tell you you say this every year Liz. you say this every year and then the birthing happens and i don't know what happens this whole love affair happens with life and and, and you see this creation come to mm. life and then you spend the next few months going Oh, that was so good. And you see the photos, like baby spam. It's like Mardi Gras spam. And you think, and before you know it, you're pregnant again. Mm. So, And this next child has to top the last one. That's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. So how do you manage that? I don't know. Women manage going to work full time. And mm. yeah, it's sort of like the same thing. Mm. It's like having a child or giving birth every, every 12 months. Mm. Yeah. And clearly as the scale of it's grown i'm assuming yeah. that more people have come on board to assist where they can um still a small small group of volunteers yeah. believe it or not um, yeah. we're just a a lot better at what we do mm. um, if you're out there and you want to volunteer please reach out to us many hands make light work yeah. <laughs> but um look we're always open to it um i think We've got the um, formula a lot better, you know, with every year we get better at what we do. Do we do this again? No, how about that? The other thing that has grown a lot is support from business. Mm. Um, I mean, we've supported business with what we've managed to create, uh, but the business support has been great. So hence where we used to have to do a lot of the, um, a lot of the grunt work ourselves, um, at least now with business and sponsorship and whatnot, we're either actually, have able to pay for that mm. um the other thing is that we're really fortunate like um we sponsor broomtown sporting club um and we're happy to do so because they don't just you know talk the talk they walk the walk but mm. what they also do their thanks to us is every year when we need arms and legs at the front door and bump ins and bump outs and set up there's netball teams there's AFL teams from, you know, little ones all the way through and every year uh, that we've sponsored them, every, every year they've just lined up and go, okay, let's co coordinate mm. how many numbers do we need and they they uh, actually coordinate a volunteer crew for throughout that, that festival. So, you know, it's about working within community and community groups, helping community groups. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so. you've demonstrated that it works it does. people come they're yeah. engaged and yeah. so of course people then say all right we want to be yeah. a part of that as well yeah 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 what do you think you've learned the most about yourself and your community in your time volunteering in Broome? okay what i've learned about myself is wow <laughs> <laughs> there's always room for more mm. <laughs> i think i've learned that about myself just when you think you've You've reached your capacity. I don't know. You dig deep and somehow you find more. What I've learned about my community um, is it is okay to believe. Miracles do happen. And um, what I've learned is that I live in the most amazing uh, place, I would say, in the world. And I've travelled a little bit. Um, just such an embracing community and thanks Kimberly for giving me the biggest hug 
and keeping me here because I don't want to go anywhere else. <laughs> um, they say about the Kimberley, you know, it, it's got a way of sorting you out. Mm. It either grabs you with both hands and it gives you a big hug or it puts its arm around you and shows you the door. Yeah. I'm glad they gave me a big hug because I love it here. That's yeah. what I've learned about this community, biggest hugs. This podcast is a collaboration between Broom Circle, Shire of Broom and Galarian Media. We're better together. <laughs>